Hi friend, welcome to this week's podcast from the First Baptist Church of Nokomis, where we are building the kingdom of God through the lives of everyday people. If you are new, you can visit our website at fbcnokomis.com. Click on our visitor information page to sign up for our e-newsletter or to learn more about our ministries. We also invite our regular listeners to partner with us and support our digital ministries by clicking the Give Online button on our homepage. Okay, here's today's podcast. So titling this one, Politics, People, and Patience. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to 2020 and welcome to, um, man, just challenges we face. So... But I might be Buddy the Elf. I kind of look at it and think that the world is, um, you know, still ripe with possibilities. So, but especially in light of uh, recent events, um, you know, we're going to jump into a scripture that I think really uh, you kind of have played out, gives perspective on everything that's going on, so... If you uh, just getting on, you can jump into Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. Pull it up. Um, as I often think about the word uh, to take in, digest, daily bread, meal. Um, this one, you know, this should go with you everywhere. This should be an everyday scripture. So, kind of leads into the sermon series, traveling light. I've got the scripture we're going to be referring to today uh, on the back there, and then. Uh, Kind of nuancing a little different this morning, so. Okay, let's jump in. Heavenly Father, what you would speak to us in the midst of pain, in the midst of uh, challenging circumstances, we would still see that there is um, possibilities, endless possibilities everywhere. I pray that you would uh, just allow us to seize those moments, carpe diem, and uh, invite you into our um, situations in life. Not simply expecting you to protect us, but asking you to send us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, okay, I'm going to start a sermon series tomorrow. It's going to be Traveling Light. It comes from Max Lucado's, uh, he does a 28-part series you can look on uh, Right Now Media. If you're not a part of Right Now Media and you want to look at these sermons as they go, uh, I'm taking out of the 20-some, uh, taking out the the next eight weeks, what will be October, November, to talk about Traveling Light. And we'll nuance it for our uh, situation, our circumstances presently. Um, and it certainly was a sermon series outside of COVID, so that's going to be sort of in the backdrop anyway. Um, but you can, you know, look that up. Uh, you, can t- you can actually text four one four one one. So you text that number like the two instead of putting somebody's name in, you just put the numbers four one four one one, and you text right now Nakomas. And when you text that, they will send you a link. And it's kind of like Netflix. Right now, media is you get on to uh, be it Netflix type format, and you register, you sign up, you put your name in, and then yeah, away you go. You get the whole library of video devotionals. They're great for kids. If you got young kids, uh, get on there and give them something to watch that isn't just uh, about, um, you know, whatever YouTube videos they're catching on to. It's not just about SpongeBob. It's got a real good moral lesson and teaching. So, okay. So that's Right Now Media, and that's where we're getting the sermon series from Max Lucado. I'm very excited. We got the banners. Uh, put them up. They look 
they look great, Tamara. Um, it's just nice to see the fall coming in and feel the, it's kind of the air, chilling the air. And I know that chill doesn't seem like it's all that, uh, you know, exciting, uh, be it from the chill in the air uh, politically or economically or looking around. And again, this, so, you know, I, I'm going to throw a spin out there as well. And I'm hoping to be the centrist that I believe that we're called to be. Um, but I'm going to kind of dive into this week. So let's take this at a glance. We have this, this fist fight <laughs> of a debate. <laughs> and it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. I mean, it's funny in the sad sort of way. And I've shared this with my kids, and I'm going to continue to, you know, this is the, this is the drum that I'm beating. Um, we somehow have polarized uh, our, our nation, our culture. Uh, I think in large part what I always go back to is when you had three TV stations and the news had to try to get your attention, but they had to get everybody's attention. And now we've sort of, we've, we've outsourced everything and you can watch what is specific to what you believe. And then you add social media. So now you had cable and that came out and you had 24 seven news. You can pick your news channel and you can, you know, it's always gonna preach to the choir because it wants to keep its base and it wants to keep its advertisers, wants to keep its marketing eyes. Um, and then you have social media comes out. And if you get a chance to watch the Netflix, I haven't watched it yet either, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. And they, a couple of people made a great point that this social media, um, what has evolved with social media, Netflix does this thing on social media. And basically it's pointing out that it's not a, a, a platform for you and for me. It's become a platform. Most social media has become a platform for business, right? For advertisement. And so we're the product, right? We're, we're the people that they're trying to get us to see those businesses, those products. And lo and behold, if you speak of something, let alone if you, if you just search something, as I've told you guys before, I've, I've, I've put on there that I'm going to search for and I want to buy a new guitar. And then all of a sudden, everything on Facebook is about guitars. And by the way, I've probably said this, and now I'm sure guitars are going to pop up again on my social media outlets, right? They're going to want the advertisement to come to me. Well, that's, the, that's what we're faced with. And so as a result of things being more intentionally towards what you like, then you sort of gravitate more towards you, what you like and you push away from what you don't like. And then we have this debate for a presidential election that have two people who have to make sure that they defend their base and... Let's be honest, they're not trying to grab 75% of the votes, right? They're not. They're trying to figure out what 5% of us independents, centralists, us <laughs> the middle people, they're trying to say, can we swing you? Because they don't, they don't want 75%. I mean, maybe they'd like that, but they ultimately know, as polarized as the nation is, they got to keep their base, they can't lose that, and then they got to have that just a little bit extra, right? My dad has always said that, and I believe it to this day, that politics is the one place you have a winner and a loser. It's not a win-win. If you go into the business arena, and especially the sort of onslaught against capitalism, capitalism is intentionally supposed to be the win-win. Now, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Darth Vader's in the capitalist society, in the capitalistic world, but the idea that capitalism is intentionally a win and a loser can't work because you have to provide value in business, what they call the value opportunity. If I'm going to give you something of value, if I have an opportunity to meet a need or to solve a problem for you, then it's a win-win, right? You're not going to pay me for a product or service that you don't appreciate. So that's kind of the way that goes. But in politics, you just need 51% of the vote. And then once you get in the presidential office, then you're over everything, or if you're in the, in the governor of the state, 
you know, do we get much done that way? I think in the last 20 or 30 years, we've seen sort of this polarization, and then we've seen candidates come into play that are inside of that arena. Uh, and quite frankly, the debate was what everybody expected, and then you see all the posts, and everybody's, oh my goodness, they're just so despicable, and they're so, yes, yes, yes. I don't know why we have 70-plus-year-old men who are, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's... It's just, yeah, you're not smart, right? That's one of them. You know, how many times could uh, Trump have said Biden's not smart? And the line Biden back, shut up, man. <laughs> That's what we offer, right? That's because we have to defend our base so much. We need somebody to represent, uh, which is why it's concerning that if you're, um, you know, if you're a Republican, you really struggle to talk about regulation. And if you're a Democrat, you really struggle to talk about pro-life. And I can highlight that one for a minute, because if you're a Democrat, 79% of Americans believe there have to be restrictions on the, the, the pro-life, at least to some extent, on the, the unborn. And yet, you don't hear that from really that position. And you can go with what Republicans, you know, as polit political powers will say, and, you know, what, what Donald Trump would really... Hey, Build a wall, build a wall, keep them out. And now we have this great racial disparity, this great racial issue. Um, where where did the civility go? You know, I, I kind of laugh. I'm like, I'd love to see Dan Crenshaw from Texas uh, debate Chrissy Hol um, Hol Holland, Holland, uh, Honolulu. <laughs> Chrissy's from Pennsylvania, but happy to see her. And she has a military background, and he has a military background, and yet one's a Democrat and one's a Republican. And I've seen them both in conversation that feels like they would be respectful to an extent. Um, and debates kind of get heated, but, you know, we're sort of missing that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be personal. It's more about the issues. We can come at these issues with disagreement and be frustrated about our views, but we don't have to attack each other. So hey, what does that mean for us? Well, that means that what happened on Tuesday night and then the aftermath with uh, President Trump uh, being tested positive for COVID and then what is mushrooming up from there and what's the state of the union now and what's the election going to be? My wife and I were talking about how extreme everybody's been. Like, what happens if he dies? I'm like, that's, we went there already? That's, okay. I, and I appreciate Biden who said, we're just praying, you know, we're praying for uh, the president and his wife and uh Finally, a little bit of civility to that end. You know, I guess when you realize that somebody's life is at stake, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more serious. Um, but what does that mean for us? Well, it makes us anxious. It makes us worried. It makes us sort of double down on what we hold. Remember, I shared this with the kingdom messages. What we believe have to be the rules in our kingdom to keep us safe and to make us happy. And the question I asked the last four weeks is, do you believe that that kingdom is of Jesus Christ and of an eternal glory that is pervasive now despite the circumstances, or do you believe that is only if somebody put in political power or somebody who offers you that peace in their kingdom, be it you know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, that you can abide by that kingdom's rules and find peace and prosperity is what they offer. And as the scriptures often come back to, as Jesus says time and again, you put your faith in mammon, money, you put your faith in, in people, you will eventually be let down because people are here today and we're gone tomorrow. But you put your faith in Jesus Christ and that is a kingdom that is everlasting. So 
So what does that mean if we are anxious in the midst of everything and this, you know, again, maybe we should really listen to our, our, our younger, you know, the Gen Zers are like, ah, it's just, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know that they know life without sort of just polarities and, and, and you know, bipolar uh, disagreements and arguments and, and angst and, you know, they're just kind of like, it's, it's just 2020, welcome to adulthood. Um, but we can, we can find peace in the midst of it. So here's the verse we're going to get into uh, with a little bit of perspective this morning. And um, I want to emphasize how this involves us and yet gives us peace with what we can't manage. Okay. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So there's a powerful couple of aspects to this scripture that we're going to share. You can follow along with Max Lucado again on Right Now Media, uh, text 41411, Right Now Nokomis. Sign up, get on it, check out Max Lucado's uh, full extension of this. Um, but in a short summary this morning, we're going to just simply evaluate how we take the yoke of Jesus Christ upon us. A couple of things are really important. Many of us think that God would unburden us that we wouldn't be burdened. Now, this passage sort of, um, you know, we have to, to, to kind of lean into that with some disagreement and, and really uh, look in the mirror and say, do we really expect God to wholly unburden us? The scripture would tell us no. And Jesus is saying something that's a bit of a, of a yes and a, oh, I'm not really sure about that. Because what he's saying is, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And we love that. So you're going to take the burdens off of us. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, just, you know, in the world of agriculture, and especially of ancient first century practices, the yoke is that which is that wooden structure that goes around the ox or the animal, the donkey otherwise, usually put to a plow, but to be honest, it could be attached to a carrying device. Uh, sadly, it could have been something that they put on slaves or even servants, and then, of course, use them to pull carts. Uh, but most people know it about an ox and a plow. And putting this yoke, what was around the neck, to then harness to whatever was being pulled was the difference between our perspective in being used. In Jesus' day, everybody was. Everybody was going to be used for some reason or another. Everybody was going to be in a position where they were either a servant to someone, unless ultimately you were Caesar. So if we're going to ask that question this morning, then ask it to you. Your own perspective. Do you let Jesus put his yoke upon you? Yeah, it's easier. It's not going to be the burden of guilt and the burden of weariness and the burden of does my person in my political party win and make my life easier? Does this financial difficulty get solved because of where I put my money otherwise or I just go ahead and take out another debt or another loan and burden myself even more? Um, does this conversation that I need to have with somebody just become something I internalize, never talk about, never bring up, and I wear that burden? And then we say, but Jesus, I don't want any of this. I don't want the financial burden. I don't want the panic and unrest of the world that we live in. And I don't want to worry about this conversation I'm supposed to have with my spouse or my friend or whomever. And we listen to say, oh, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Thank you. You just take this. But then it says, and take my yoke upon you. You're going to transition from that which is of serving to the world to that which is serving Christ. And I know we all want what is popular today with this autonomy, uh, um, you know, the atomization of our culture. Everybody can be their own person in their own way, at their own time. And yet we struggle with what politics really is, this bringing together this polity of people who are very diverse, very different, and figuring out how to be civilized and work together. That's why we really struggle with politics, because that means we have to work with people who are different than us. And Jesus says, ultimately, I want you to be a part, a servant of my kingdom. And that doesn't give you a pass. You just don't get your harp and sit on a cloud. That gives you a responsibility in this politic of God's kingdom. And in that way, we are even probably more responsible. We are the ambassadors of Christ. And we're the ones who are to be going out and sharing God's love with others. Now, here's the takeaway I'm going to give you. Because if there's one thing that God is trying to harness with us, the yoke that is upon us, that is much lighter. And I'm going to give you a very simple tip this morning. It's that you take off the burden of wrongness. Every one of us sees somebody that might be different than us, and we feel like the burden we're wearing is that nobody agrees with us, and the reason nobody agrees with us is because I can point out the fact that that person is wrong. Think about it. All you have to do is look on social media, and you'll see somebody's Facebook page, and it rubs you the wrong way. And when it does, that feeling, that anger, that anxiety, that doubt, you're taking on the burden of what you just saw. And in order to deal with that, you take human terms and you say, I feel this burden. In order to exercise this burden off my shoulders, I'm just going to throw it back onto them, even in my own mind. Or maybe I make a public post and I say something in opposition or in response. It doesn't really remove it, does it? It's kind of like sticky, right? I, I painted the bed of the truck with a bed liner and I thought, oh, it's no big deal. And that tar type stuff is finally almost off. I have a little bit more on my hand. And yes, I shower every day, but I can't get this stuff off. And the wrongness we think that has burdened us about what we see from others, we think isn't ours, and so we want to throw it back on them. And by doing it by human standards, either by vengeance or retaliation, it still sticks to us, and it doesn't come off. And that's because you're thinking about you being right and them being wrong. There's a bigger issue than somebody being wrong in their opinion. Even if you know full well what they said is wrong. What's really happening that they hurt. You know, I, I still, to this day, would never say to somebody who is in favor of abortion, if I go back to an issue that certainly as a church we really believe is taking a life. And every life matters, right? Now when we say black lives matter and blue lives matter, we really go down the line. And you see it when it comes up, and whether it's from uh, an alternative lifestyle and a community that says, you know, LGBTQ lives matter. All lives matter. You can focus in on a particular group that you feel like is uh, being ostracized or being treated unfairly. I would say that the church, we haven't been hurt enough when we say, and that would be true of the unborn. But even as I say that, somebody who has a different opinion than me is not necessarily wrong simply because they want to be a mean person and they want to end um, you know, the, the fetus's life. It's the difference to explain in a spiritual moment, God, this person 
Something's going on. They've come to this conclusion. And when we talk about racism, they come to this conclusion because of the way they were raised, how they were treated. It wasn't just something that they decided out of the blue. I just want to hate people of a different race. When we acknowledge the fact that in that conversation, it's not simply trying to prove our rightness and their wrongness. It's trying to understand their hurtness, if you will. Then Christ comes in and you feel a lighter yoke because Jesus is putting on you the yoke of his spirit that says, yes, that's what we do. That's what the church is all about. If you're Christ followers, then the servant you have to the king is to go out and help, not make things right as you see them to be right, but the righteousness is wellness, is making people who are sick and hurting better. Believe it or not, when you approach people with whom you feel have burdened you with their opinions or their differences, or you feel like you're a burden with the world's unrest, when you stop trying to find people to blame, you start seeing people to help heal, to help, the conversation changes. You'd be amazed at how much it deflates that issue when the post you see you didn't like, you just call and check in on a friend. How you doing? Yeah, I, don't, I know, I saw the post. I, I'm not worried about that. I just, it seems like because of your post, you're still really, you're just struggling. And I just want to listen. Now I'll go back to that from a couple of weeks ago. If you really listen, right, if you love others, you listen well, offer to help, value their humanity, and you expect honesty and transparency. And that, that burden, even though it is a yoke that we wear, is pretty incredible what you can do with it. It's not heavy. It's light. Lord be with you today. May you go out there and make somebody else's day a little bit lighter too. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. See you next time. And remember, God is building his kingdom through the lives of everyday people just like you.